have to say I was in love with this. It really melts in your mouth, Jessie. It's like if you experience it for the first time. It's like where have you been all my life? <laughs> Hey there, Zesties! You're tuning in to the Gleeful Talk Show, where we share zesty stories to cultivate the happiness and hero within and out. On the show, we talk about personal experiences and development, society, and culture. So, if these are the topics that you are interested in, then please stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast. So, for those who follow the podcast's Instagram page, you might have seen. A photo or two about me in a samurai, or more specifically, Shinsengumi costume. Now, that has been a while, right? I know, I know. There's just been so much happening lately that I didn't have a chance to sit down and chat about this very specific topic, very personal and close to my heart. It's about Japan, my Japan trip. I might have mentioned in previous episodes before that I have been to Japan recently, and circumstances in the past that has prevented me to visit the country. But alas, in May of this year, finally I was able to visit Japan, a country that I have been, you would say, borderline obsessed when I was in my teens. So it's no secret, especially for those who know me, that I really like anime, and in fact. I have a podcast, you know, a separate podcast dedicated to anime reviews and you know, watching anime and commentary about anime. And yes, of course, I'm also obsessed about Japanese culture, even when this wasn't a thing yet. You know, back in the day, anime was for I would say weird kids. Well, some might argue that people who like anime are still weird, and I don't blame them. I would say that anime nowadays is becoming more mainstream. Anyway, enough about my obsession. This episode is more of discussing the surprising things I have discovered when I was visiting Japan. So, for any of the zesties who who has been to Japan or would like to visit Japan, please let me know on the comments down below on which places you have been to and any stories that you would like to share to the podcast. So please send your responses to, to gleefultalkshow at gmail dot com or comment down on the comment section on Spotify or on the review side of the podcast. Now you might say, of course, I am surprised with the culture just because I haven't been there and I'm not, you know, Japanese, yada yada yada. But guys, this would be coming from a person who has been obsessed with Japanese culture when she was still young. So okay, when I say obsess, more of like admire. So back in the day, I tried to practice and even tried martial arts as well, and to emulate bits and pieces and learnings about the Japanese culture. But again, it's a little bit hard to practice, especially when you don't actually live there. Anyway, this episode is more of my experiences, the pleasantly surprising discoveries and experiences while visiting Japan. This list, Zesties, is in no particular order, so just sit back and relax as we chit chat about my experience in visiting Japan for the first time. So the number one thing I would say, and it's very prominent all over the internet and on, even on YouTube, is the bidet, the toilet. Yes, Zesties, I know it's very surprising for anyone, and 
you would be expecting to have uh, the bidet toilets, you know, those automatic toilets uh, all over Japan in their, you know, public spaces and the hotels as well. But Zesties, it's like if you experience it for the first time, it's like, where have you been all my life? You know, like it has been, I would say, one of the best inventions. And I don't get why anywhere else in the world they don't adapt this uh, type of technology. I was in France before and that hotel was a bit kind of like mid-century style and a little bit old, but of course refurbished and furnished to be a bit more modern. And the plumbing, I would say like the bathroom and how the technology in the bathroom works is still like the old days because of course they just changed the design um, inside. But the technology in terms of the plumbing is still, you know, how it was back in the day. So in, in France, they have a bidet, but the toilet is separate. I mean, the bidet is separate and it wasn't that comfortable at all. But the Japanese toilet is, you, you just want to stay there. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, and you know, there are several types, of course, um, the more, Expensive hotels would have the more sophisticated technology. Like, I know this has got to be TMI, but you know, there is technology where you can move or direct the flow of the water, I would have to say. And then you can even um, do the, not heating, but um, fanning. But I don't like that part. But to me, the technology of, you know, the water flow is really, really sophisticated i would say and i have to say that oh my god when actually when i came back to australia it was like i want to have a bidet in my you know in my apartment as well but i don't think that the bidets here are that sophisticated as like in japan i don't know if you're from australia or from the u.s could you comment as well whether you have bidet at home uh, similar to the japanese one so yes zesty is a toilet and of course, this is another one. It has heated technology. Can you imagine that? So when you sit down, and especially if it's a like winter months, you know, you sit down on a cold toilet. It's not that inviting, right? <laughs> but their toilets, some of them, their toilets are heated when you sit on it. So it's a very, very, you know, comforting feeling. <laughs> I know it's weird. That I'm obsessing or I'm, you know, admiring the toilet. But, you know, you know, toilet is part of your everyday life, right? So if you have this type of technology that you use every day, it's really, really life-changing. Another one on my list is the pajamas in hotels. So I'm, I don't know, no one in YouTube, um, I haven't seen anyone talk about it that much. The pajamas on the hotel. So. The hotels seem to give you pajamas to change. Of course, the pajamas are one size, but they fit most body types as well. Even like the tall ones and, you know, I'm pretty short. So I'm, that's a very, very nice touch, I would say, because, you know, if you are a traveler, you want to be comfortable sleeping, right? And it's just a, a very nice touch that the hotels provide these pajamas apart from the bathrobes. And since we are already in the bathroom realm already, the bathroom is also well-engineered in a way that it saves space and also 
the little things. What's interesting is that even the the space is very small. The they have efficient use of the space. So, for example, the whole bathroom for smaller hotels. Like if you stay in a hotel in Tokyo, the hotels will be smaller than the ones in the countryside or even in the ryokans, which is the Japanese traditional Japanese hotel. But those smaller hotels. The bathroom is like a whole thing. I mean, it's difficult to describe. Basically, the bathroom is like a fixture already. Like、uh, the bathtub and the floor is part of the whole bathroom. I'll try to show in some of my videos on Instagram.、Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I will try to post a, a video of how the bathroom looks like. But yeah, the bathroom on smaller hotels—it's well engineered in a way that it saves space, efficient use of the plumbing as well, where the faucet on the sink can also be the faucet in the tub as well. And again, the the flooring is also easy to maintain in a way because it's part of like the a capsule bathroom. But it's still really pleasant to you know shower and stuff. But I don't really like、uh, using the bathtub in a way in hotels, especially if it's like maybe like a three star hotel. Maybe if it's a four star, five star, I use them. But three stars, I'm just not that comfortable. But of course, they are pristine as well. They are well kept, and we are not into those backpacking hotels. Maybe I feel like I'm too old for that already. But、um, yeah, the bathroom is pristine, and even the smaller hotels in Tokyo, they still provide the comb as well. Like those little touches, I'm very impressed, and it's like it's a joy to to stay in. You know, like despite the very small spaces, and again, very well kept and very efficient use of the small space. And another another interesting thing, which I know everyone already knows about, but it's really different if you experience it firsthand, which is a lot of walking, the walking distance into the different places. And because Japan has a very intricate and well engineered public transport system, it's way more. Comfortable and way more easier, basically, to travel around Japan using their public transport. But I'll get to it later. But driving around Japan is also as comfortable as well. For now, the the walking distance I wanted to discuss is that if you go to Japan and you plan to use the public transport, please, please be you know be mindful in a way. Of your footwear, so I kind of know about it already, but it's really different、um, if you experience it firsthand. So I didn't bring any heels, but I brought some boots that have a block heel and a sandal that is like maybe like one point two inches or two inches at most in terms of height of the heel. But two of the boots that I bought or I brought was like a cheap kind of boots. It's just because I didn't want to bring like the ones I had for winter, 
So I brought like some cheap boots and eventually Zesties, I had to buy new rubber shoes basically because I was just so tired. I think in the next, I think on the fifth day, I don't know, maybe the half of the trip already, I bought a, a new Onitsuka shoe, which is also a good thing for me because I wanted to try out the Onitsuka, Onitsuka Tiger, which is, I think, a brand that originated in Japan. And I got the shoe that is only found in Tokyo. I mean, the design. So that was in a way worked out well for me. And just so we're in the topic of shopping, just also be aware that you can actually claim the tax or you can buy without the tax in the purchase price already. So just check the merchant on whether what works for them and they are quite helpful as well um, especially with the tourists and around especially tokyo so yes the walking distance is really unimaginable like we've ate a lot of food there because as you know japan has one of the best food in the world and i think even it's the only place in the world that has the most michelin star restaurants per x kilometers so yes, we ate a lot, uh, but I didn't feel like I was bloated or, um, well, I was bloated in a way, but I didn't feel that I gained weight. And in fact, I did lose weight despite the eating like several courses because of the hell lot of walking in Japan. So yes, with any other trip, right? You, if you go on a trip, you always walk around a lot. But to me, my Japan trip, has the most walking I have ever done in all of my trips abroad. So yes, it was nice. It was really good to be able to have a lot of steps. And then when I came back to Australia, you know, the, the Apple Watch was saying like, oh, there is a huge change in your um, steps, which is funny. But yes, it's uh, the prepared to walk a lot, which is really good for your health anyway, right? So and speaking of walk, I would have to say that although I, I already know that Japan has a good transport system, very intricate, and they have underground public transport and trains, and even I've experienced that in, in London when I was there as well, and even like in Europe, like underground. But Japan, I would say that it has an underground city, Zesties. It's really, really different. You know, Hong Kong has underground, you know, shopping shopping areas as well. But Japan, it's like there's a different city underground, like really. You know those shows or TV shows that has, I forgot exactly what show it was, where it has, the story was about there is an underground city and the people underground couldn't get on the ground because it's a different city, etc, etc. That's what I felt when I was there because, you know, underground is like you can actually just live there, you know, and don't even know. That there is a city above you, you know? I know I might be talking alien here, but for those who have been to Japan would really understand what I'm talking about. And for those who want to go to Japan, this is something very exciting for you as well because it's different. I, I just can't imagine how they did it, you know? Because you have to dig a whole lot of, you know, earth <laughs> beneath you. And considering that Japan is prone to earthquakes and tsunamis and everything. I just, I'm just so impressed how they can do this kind of thing. You know, it, it's a feat to dig underground. And it, it was dug up like several years ago. Like it's not 
it's not a new thing for them to for them to do that type of feat and with the technology back in the day you can really imagine how advanced japan already was way back then like it, it's ahead of their time but unfortunately i would say that a lot of new players now like south korea in terms of technology is now ahead of japan i would say i don't know whether you agree or not it's just an observation of course this is not the real thing this is just my observation but i'd say that japan before is really ahead of its time and you know you would see this in their underground cities and underground uh, amenities like you know there is a shopping mall there there are restaurants it's it's really different that you can see that they've dug like several meters underground and to do this in a city or a country that is prone to earthquakes is just unbelievable so very very impressive there and speaking of earthquakes actually uh, when we were in the airport from japan going back home to australia there was actually an earthquake we experienced an earthquake i mean it's like your japan trip wouldn't be complete if you don't experience earthquake you know and funny thing is everyone was just cool about it i can really feel that it was it's so okay so for those zesties who are not aware philippines is also uh, prone to earthquakes we are in the ring of fire i would say and then i've experienced a very bad trauma back when i was i think 20s when there was a massive earthquake i think maybe more than seven 7.1 magnitude or something like that back in that day and I, I was traumatized about earthquakes back then. I literally had, I would say, PTSD, wherein I couldn't sleep on the second floor of the house because I feel that it's going to crumble. The house is going to crumble. So I know the feeling of having a massive earthquake or experiencing an earthquake. The experience when I was in Japan was extremely different because the building just swayed imagine where you are on a boat in the sea and there are just waves in the sea you're experiencing the waves it's kind of like cradling you in a way so that's how the the building felt that's how i experienced it whereas when i was back home in the philippines i i went experiencing the earthquake whether commercial or, or residential building the ground doesn't sway but imagine there is like a train near you and it's like really shaking literally shaking <laughs> like the ground is like it's difficult to say like other than the word shake <laughs> let's say on the table uh you see that your glass is going up and down but let's say going up and down feeling if you are in the philippines but when you are in japan it's like going sideways just because it's just swaying which is again but i was still like very scared just because i already had that trauma but everyone was so cool about it I, and i know i'm confident that japan would be able to pull through but i was actually dizzy when i was experiencing it but um everyone was still too cool about it so yes that's um that's another surprising although you know it's like you know it already but it's different when you experience it still to come on the gleeful talk show did you know that employees attend compulsory annual fitness checks and companies have healthy weight targets and i might have a personal and controversial take on this one 
One of my dreams, Zesties, is when I go to Japan, I want to... Another pleasantly surprising experience is that, you know, literally food and restaurants everywhere, but no one is fat, you know? And I know that everyone knows this already, or maybe not everyone knows this, but of course, there are various reasons to why, you know, Japan has the lowest obesity rate of the developed countries. And the most obvious one is in Japan, of course, where I've talked earlier that you have to walk long distances from station to station. It's just the nature of the country, right? And the culture, of course. And a lot of foreigners who have been to Japan credit the Japanese diet as well for keeping everyone slim. While there's no denying that the Japanese diet is healthier than most countries' diet, there's more to it than their diet. Did you know that employees attend compulsory annual fitness checks and companies have healthy weight targets? So in 2008, Japan took a unique approach to combat obesity with the introduction of the Metabol Law. Rather than just focusing on weight, this law set specific waistline limits, 85 centimeters for women and 90 centimeters for men. Stray beyond these boundaries and there are consequences to face. The responsibility of enforcing this law falls on employers and local governments who annually measure the waistlines of around 50 million Japanese individuals aged 40 to 74. The term metabol stems from metabolic syndrome, a cluster of health issues encompassing cholesterol, triglycerides, high blood pressure, and elevated blood sugar. Left unaddressed, metabolic syndrome can pave the way to serious conditions like stroke, heart attack, and diabetes. For those who don't meet the mandated waistline criteria, a series of intervention kicks in. Counseling sessions, remote monitoring via phone and email, and motivational support. But it doesn't stop there. Employers face financial repercussions if a certain percentage of their employees breach the waistline limits. In a notable case, NEC, Japan's leading PC manufacturer, may be slapped with a hefty fine of up to 19 million for falling short of the waist limit targets for its workforce. So I wonder whether this applies to NEC Japanese employees only or NEC employees as a whole because NEC has an office in the Philippines and I know some people who work there as well. So I'm not quite sure, but this is quite interesting, right? So Japan's metabol law is not just a waistline check. It's a unique strategy combining personal responsibility, employer involvement, and financial consequences to tackle a nationwide health issue. And again, different people would have different takes on this law, of course. You know, people would say that, oh, you know, it's my body, my issue, or something like that. But, you know, I might have a personal and controversial take on this one. Other people might agree with me and other people might not. But for me, I know we all have this thing called body positivity and all of that, right? And I'm all for body positivity, but, you know, we have to, it needs to be not a toxic positivity, but more of in moderation as well. So I think as individuals, there still needs to be a sense of responsibility on overall health as well, because it not only impacts you, but it ripples throughout society. 
imagine if you know everyone just you know too much positivity wherein if someone is let's say overweight or unhealthy you still stay positive just for positivity's sake you know so imagine if every everyone's mentality is like that and you know they they will get sick for sure because there's a lot of consequences health-wise in terms of having unhealthy weight which leads you to as i mentioned stroke heart attack diabetes and if a lot of people are like that in a society, it will put stress on the public health system, like the hospitals. It again ripples throughout society. And I certainly understand that each has their own set of challenges in managing weight, whether it's something hereditary or scientific reasons, you know. But I think it's more of taking steps in managing weight and overall health and less of making excuses. And I'm not saying all of us needs to strive to, to be skinny and all, of course not. And I'm not skinny at all. But I'm, what I'm saying is to take the necessary steps for a good overall well-being. And some might be skinny, but they are not healthy, right? So it's not about being skinny, but being healthy. And there is now a study that BMI is not actually a good determinant of good body weight. While BMI is a quick and simple measure that can provide a general indication of weight status, it should be interpreted with caution. It is often recommended to consider additional assessments such as weight circumference, body fat percentage, and overall health indicators for a more comprehensive understanding of an individual's health status. Consulting with healthcare professional, of course, is essential for a thorough evaluation of health and risk factors. And this might be a topic for another episode, Zesties, but of course, there are dark sides on this notion, as you all know. So for me, the rule of thumb is moderation in all things. That's in various aspects of life, such as diet, work, and leisure, that leads to healthier and sustainable lifestyle. Now, Zesties, I know, I know. It's really difficult, and I myself, in other uh, aspects of my life, I don't think that I'm healthy in a way. And some days um, it's easy to, to do, some days are hard, but you know, you just keep on keeping on, right? So anyway, I've veered too much away on the main topic and let's get back to discussing about Japan. So Zesties, we went to Tokyo, Osaka, Kobe, Kyoto, Nikko, and Fujikawa Guchiko. And while it's no surprise to many that Tokyo and Kyoto are beautiful cities, I'm pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed my stay at Nikko, Fujikawa, Guchiko, and Osaka. And if you have to ask me on which city I will go back to next, it's definitely Osaka. It's my favorite city by far in my trip. And of course, I love everything, but it's, I was just really pleasantly surprised about Osaka. I, I know about the city before, but it's not something I was really excited to go to just because I didn't really think about what areas i wanted to visit in osaka but i was really pleasantly surprised with my experience there and of course there's a lot of facets in japan that i didn't know right but i didn't really expect that osaka would you know i would be enjoying it as much as i did for instance i really didn't associate osaka with any awesome sushi and sashimi but oh my god i really loved it we visited this sushi place in a restaurant where you can't walk in but you need to book ahead of time also most high-end restaurants need to be booked ahead of time and sometimes through a concierge or a 
third party because these Michelin star small family owned restaurants, most owners don't speak English. So they get in touch with companies that can do the transaction for them in English. So when you rock up the restaurant, you're already paid or you pay online to that third party company. So we went to this place in Osaka where it only sits maximum six people. The chef who owned the restaurant trained in a restaurant in Kyoto, which was in the next on our list. So we went to Osaka first and then Kyoto. But interestingly, I like better his restaurant than the restaurant that he trained in, in terms of the sushi style. It's either just my preference, the type of ingredient in Osaka, or his you know, particular style that I really like in, in terms of doing the sushi. And Zesties, I can go on and on about the sushi and the food, but I think you guys would want me to move on to the reason why this is on my list. So for me, Japan's countryside is way better or a better experience than Tokyo and Kyoto. And don't get me wrong, these places, Tokyo and Kyoto, are nothing short of amazing. They are both beautiful in their own unique ways, and they have their own charm, right? But it's pretty crowded. It's sometimes, I would say, overrated. Again, it's good to visit there. Of course, you need to experience Tokyo and Kyoto for yourselves as well. But, you know, don't discount other places or nearby cities in Japan because it's really, really amazing. Mount Fuji was more magnificent than in the photos and than whatever I have ever imagined, Zesties. I was really impressed. And Osaka, again, I mentioned it was my favorite major city. Nikko was also the most relaxing. And I don't think a lot of people go to Nikko and even only few knows about this area or the city. But if you really want to relax, Nikko is one of the best places to go. And I love my experience there. It's near Edo Wonderland. So it's a bit out of the way, this Edo Wonderland, but totally worth it if you are into Japanese history and cosplaying. And I might also share some videos on the podcast, YouTube channel, and Instagram. So please look out for that and give that a follow. And yes, Zesties, in this list, I'd say that Japan's hidden gems are its countryside. So we went to Nikko, right? Which was way less touristy and more of a countryside. We went there and stayed at Ariokan, which is a Japanese-style hotel. Ariokan is a type of traditional inn where it typically offers a unique and immersive experience providing guests with a glimpse into Japanese culture and hospitality. So not a lot of people actually know what Ariokan means. So maybe I'll share with you, you know, what are the features in Ariokan. So of course, Ryokans would have tatami rooms, although some hotels in Japan do have, but I think it's just more legit um, in the Ryokans. So you, you all know what a tatami floor is or a tatami room. And it features futon beds instead of western-style beds. Ryokans often have futons that are spread on the tatami mats for sleeping. There are comfortable mattresses that are laid out in the evening and stored during the day. And sometimes, or most of the time, the staff helps you spread it on. The only thing is that the type of pillow that these ryokans have, or the more traditional ryokans, would have also the traditional pillow. I forgot exactly what the name is, but it wasn't the comfiest type of pillow. I guess maybe the Japanese would be more accustomed and have grown up with that type of pillow, but that, that was the part that is not so good when you experience that one. And of course, another feature of Ryokan is yukata and slippers. 
and the feature and I think you get the most experience out of this culturally is the kaiseki meals. So ryokans are known for serving kaiseki meals which are multi-course traditional Japanese meals. These meals often include a variety of small artistically presented dishes. And of course, Zesty is the hot springs, the onsens. Oh my god. So many ryokans have onsen facilities where guests can enjoy communal hot baths. Onsen bathing is a significant part of the Japanese ryokan experience. And for us, we opted for a room that has a private onsen. And for those rooms that do not have private onsens, you can also have an onsen bath privately but outside your room, which you need to rent for an hour or two. Um, you can also do that or you can go to the public baths. Now, um, they say that, you know, it's better to try the, and experience the public bath. But for me, it wasn't my thing. So we went for the private onsen baths, which is, again, amazing. And of course, cultural element feature. Some ryokans incorporate cultural experiences such as tea ceremonies, ikebana or flower arranging or even performances of traditional art. I opted for the shiatsu massage, which was, I feel like it was super legit because it, the therapist was like an old lady. <laughs> it just feels so legit. So ryokans vary in terms of size, amenities, and price, offering options for different preferences and budgets. Staying in Ryokans has made our trip more memorable and culturally enriching. You get to experience a different side of Japan that is outside mainstream how YouTube shows you. And of course, there are different price points. But if you can, Zesties, opt for a, a little bit pricier one and the experience is priceless. So we went to Ryokans in Kyoto, Nikko, and Fujikawaguchiku and Oh my god, that experience was really remarkable and memorable. So guys, if you can, stay in Ariokan. And then next on my list, Zesties, is Kobe beef. So of course, Kobe beef, as everyone knows, is a highly prized and sought-after type of Wagyu beef known for its exceptional marbling, tenderness, and rich flavor. So we went to, of course, Kobe for the Kobe beef, right? Um, but there are several factors that differentiate Kobe beef from other types of beef course the breed of cattle kobe beef comes from a specific breed of cattle known as tajima which is a strain of the japanese black cattle these cattle are carefully raised and bred to produce the high quality marbling that is characteristic of kobe beef so the marbling is mainly the fat is in between the muscles and which makes it very tasty and the feeling that melts in your mouth so kobe beef also geographically originates from the Hyogo Prefecture in Japan, with Kobe being the capital city, the specific geographic location along with the region's climate and environment is believed to contribute to the unique characteristics of Kobe beef. And also there are strict regulations, feeding and raising practices that differentiate this type of beef from anything else. And of course the marbling and grading. I think the highest grade should be like A5. There are different gradings for different types of beef. Some other beefs would have A7, but that doesn't mean that the A7 is greater than the A5 because it's just how the grading system works. The grading system is different for um, different types of beefs. And again, so it's flavor and texture. Kobe beef is renowned for its rich buttery flavor and then that melts in your mouth tenderness and i have to say i was in love with this it really melts in your mouth testies but to each his own because my husband doesn't like it 
he prefers another type of wagyu so again it's gonna be different for everyone but i really like the tenderness of it it's really really amazing i move on because i again i can just talk and talk about food zesties and you will you will just hate me for talking about food all the time but anyway the next on my list zesties is the school kids i mean oh my god there are school kids everywhere not that i'm complaining but i'm just pleasantly surprised that there are so many kids go going on excursions or school trips field trips and on in their uniforms so i remember back in when, when i was in the philippines in elementary school or high school i don't remember that if we go on a school trip we use our uh, school uniforms but apparently in japan even if it's on a saturday or a sunday if you go on a school trip you need to be in your uniform and it's funny because one of my dreams zesties is when i go to japan i want to be in a schoolgirl outfit because i was you know so much into anime and you know just that feeling of being a schoolgirl and putting on a schoolgirl uniform to me is just emanates um youth and you know youth sometimes you cannot get back right so this is like a once in your life opportunity to be at this point in time that you are still able to cosplay a schoolgirl. So I went with a schoolgirl outfit and there were a lot of school kids there. And it's just funny because I can blend in. The only thing is that because I was in a black uniform and then a lot of the school kids or school uniforms at that time were white and blue. But I was in a black one because it's something that I just bought online. But the funny thing is... In the Shinkansen or one of the trains, there was um, a kid who was like a dark blue navy uniform. If I would have been on my schoolgirl uniform at that time when the school kid was there on the train, we would have been classmates, if you imagine that. So that was pretty funny and um, I'm so glad that I was able to, you know, reach my little dream of being a schoolgirl in Japan. And another on my list, Zesties, is just, again, the little things I was pleasantly surprised of. I mentioned about toilets and the, again, the toilets, right? It's all about the toilets, but it's a lot of the little things that the Japanese think through. And all of their products, you can really tell that there has been a lot of thought put into it. So for example, again, I'm gonna go again to the toilet, but not the toilet per se, but the bathroom. So the place where you put the toilet paper or the roll, the container has something where you can place your phone on it. So again, the little things, right? And there is also a basket for your bag. You know, when you go to any restaurant, whether high end or just a casual restaurant, there is always a basket for your bags. So that's really a neat touch. And then, of course, the hand towels as well. I really love it. Some more casual restaurants, they give you a hand towel that is packed in a plastic. Again, although it's a nice touch, but, you know, we can go away with the plastic. But I understand that these are tissues that they give to the guests. So that's why it's like on a plastic. But on higher end restaurants, they give you a warm towel to cleanse your hands with. And, of course, this is so amazing. The Shinkansen seats can be turned around to face the direction it goes to. This is the only train that I've seen this. As opposed here in Australia, Switzerland, and anywhere in Europe, I don't think their seats can be turned to face the other side when the trains go back. It changes directions. I didn't even know that this was a thing, but actually I know some people who are not comfortable sitting on the train with their back towards where the train goes on that direction. So some people actually don't like that. And if you can imagine, 
the Japanese thought about that as well. So they, you know, they made the swivel type of seat so that it can be turned. But only the um, staff will turn it when they arrive at the last station. So they turn the seats for you before you get in the train. And there are also staff that take out the trash, etc. So again, very neat touch. Of course, everyone knows about the vending machine. But what other people don't know about is that whatever you buy on the vending machine, you should eat or drink it where you bought it, you know, in that area where the vending machine was. Because for the Japanese people, it's kind of like frowned upon if you eat while you walk. Um, so yeah, I can go on and, and on about those little things with Zesties. That's why I would encourage you, if you can, to visit Japan. And of course, the tenth on my list is the warmth of the people and the good food. This is not a surprise, Zesties, but it always feels different. Experiencing it um, for yourself is something remarkable, right? The warmth of the, of the Japanese people and their hospitality, but it's different from knowing than experiencing. And of course, the food zesties of many eccentric food in Japan and many of them I really like. But one of the types of food that I actually don't like is uh, raw chicken. I, I eat raw fish like the sashimi and the sushi, but I'm not into raw chicken. Apparently, it's a delicacy in Japan, which that one is not for me. So yes, zesties, I'll, I'll just end my list there because it's gonna take a lot of um, time in this episode and I can again go on and on about the things that I love in Japan and you know how memorable it was for me uh, visiting there it was definitely a dream come true and yes it's definitely a dream come true because I have been wanting to go there since I was on my teens zesties I used to sit on our balcony back then looking at the horizon this is literal I look at the horizon and think about, oh, how is Japan doing today? You know, I know it's really, really sentimental, but it's just me. <laughs> I'm a bit of melancholic, you know. So now it's, it's come full circle to be able to, you know, but after several years, I was able to visit it and after two failed attempts as well. So if you have dreams, zesties, hold on to them. Don't give up because eventually if you work hard on something and if you manifest something eventually you will get there i this is really a true story and i hope that this story uh, and this episode could provide a bit of hope for you for any type of dream that you have zesties so yeah i'm just gonna end there and thank you so much for listening to this bit long episode i hope that i was able to take you through a bit slightly on the japanese trip that i had and zesties if you have already visited japan let me know what you enjoyed most about it and if you're still about to visit it, what experiences are you looking forward to? Please let me know uh, through the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or email to gleefultalkshow at gmail.com. And Zesties, if you like this episode, please share it to your friends, uh, share it on your socials. It will definitely help the podcast a lot. If you would like to give me a cup of coffee or two, please head down to the episode notes and click on the donation link. And again, thank you so much for our Zesties who have been supporting the podcast all this time. And again, thank you once again to our patron Gem for always supporting the podcast. And Zesties, I'll see you next time. Have a beautiful life.